Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast of board gamers and the insane fun we have to table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. And this is episode 352, BGG Hot News, November 2021. We'd like to thank all of our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode, but especially our new Patreon backer, Tom Fabo. Thanks so much, man. You rock. All right, everyone, we are back, and we are back with a brand new episode, and guess what? Anthony's back. That's right. Anthony's Ooh. back doing an episode of Board Gamers Anonymous. Go fig, bro. I know. <laughs> I mean, you've got me beat by at least 20 of these, but I have done several hundred, so you know, I'm, I'm generally here. <laughs> but I, I think I have the record for the most solo episodes. I think I've done all the episodes. I think I've, right? I think I've done yeah. every episode. Wow. I've, okay. I've never had to do a solo episode. You always <laughs> managed to make it somehow. Your life and limb, regardless of the weather, power outages, tornadoes, doesn't matter. You get you, you make it here. I tell you, I love our listeners and and always so thankful for them and our especially for our Patreon backers, uh, Tom this week for you know helping us out, bring us the episodes as I bring you another secret location episode. But next week we'll be back, I guess video wise in person. But you can always check out all of the episodes on YouTube. So if you haven't been onto YouTube and subscribed, please do so. It's nice to know that you all like the looks of our faces. That's that's all I'm saying, right? I mean, podcast for nine years, and then you know you get a little self conscious. <laughs> yep. All right. So, Anthony. With that said, we are back, and of course, we are talking about the latest and the greatest, and especially for this episode, the super hottest. We're talking about BGG hotness, November two thousand twenty one. It's been a while since we checked the temperature over at BGG. Yeah, yeah, we so, you know, this time of year typically we bounce back and forth between conventions and then holidays and everything else <laughs> and you know, so we can't do our normal end of the month hotness because all of our scheduling revolves around all these events. Uh no different. So, uh, last time we checked in was after Essen, which is a little over a month ago and we're back because there's a bunch of new games up there. So we're going to run through the top 50. We're going to talk about all the games that are new or hot or recent that are on that list and talk about why they're there and why you should care. <laughs> Fantastic. And I was just laughing because you mentioned conventions. And I was like, oh, yeah, that was a thing. I remember conventions. That was the <laughs> old times, the times before these times when we actually used to go places and do things without the fear of, impending doom what was that like grandpa tell me again about conventions <laughs> yeah you say that but there's a convention coming up that there's a very good chance we may actually be at so <laughs> which still feels weird normally it this does. time like three weeks out from a convention i'm like bouncing up and down and now i'm just like is that really happening i'll believe it when i see it <laughs> so. yeah pax unplugged in philly is coming up and We've been invited as as you know media, so that's pretty awesome. Nice to get the press badges up in front, and we are looking. I guess we're looking forward to going. Is that a thing? Are we? Are, we're looking forward to going, right? That's that's yes. the way to say it, right? We yes. are looking forward <laughs> to going. We are not freaked out at all. It's all good, people. Right? Yeah, yeah. It, okay. I I feel like so for me, like I. I drive by the convention center all the time. I live in Philadelphia now. And so my bus route goes right past it on the way down to, to campus. So it's, it's almost like I've been there and I've scoped <laughs> out the area and I've seen what's going to happen. And I know where to go and how to get there. So mm -hmm. now it's just a matter of getting there and going inside. That's the last obstacle. Go inside. So we're, <laughs> we'll see how we do. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, PAX Unplugs coming up. We'll be talking about that as things move forward, let you know about what's going to be there, who's going to be there, and maybe even how you can see us there. Because again, we actually might be inside doing a thing. Huh? Huh? They see, that's a thing. All right, so that's pretty much what's going on with us. Anthony, in fact, there is something extremely important that we want to talk about. And it's not about us, of course, it's about our listeners. We had a little contest recently, did we not? We did. Yeah. So two weeks ago, we did our 350th episode, 
where we presented the top 20 listeners games of all time, which is built using a survey that we run every year. And all of you who filled that out, thank you so much, because we would not be able to do that episode if you did not fill that out. Uh, And so (laughs) as a thank you, every year we enter everybody who filled it out and provided their contact information into a contest to win one of those games. And so I promised that I would announce it on the next episode. Lo and behold, I wasn't on the next episode. So now we're announcing it this week. (laughs) Um, So congratulations to Tommy Ray, who, uh, again, filled out the, the contest form. And we'll be taking home a copy of Underwater Cities. So congrats, Tommy. Yeah, Tommy. That's a great game. Perfect game. My number one game last year. You're going to be so happy with that game. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, he he sent me a list of like these four games. And I was like, those are all great games. Do you care which one? He's like, no, just in that order. I'm like, all right, well, (laughs) the top one that is actually available was Underwater Cities. And uh, I'm super excited to be sending that out because it's such a good one. Absolutely. So... Uh, congratulations, Tommy Ray. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us at the table. All right, Anthony, but that's not all that's going on with our listeners. We do a little thing called Question of the Week. We do. We do a Question of the Week. And this week, we are asking everybody, what are underrated gems? Sorry, not gems, because what I wrote was underrated games and hidden gems or special experiences that would make good gifts this year. So next week, we're doing our holiday gift guide. So I just figured get like a an early jump start with people and ask them what they're excited about. Uh, so we got a f- handful of answers here. Tommy Ray <laughs> responded circadian's first light dice rolling worker placement, resource management uh, with no sheep, uh, some engine building game uh, with a sci-fi skin on it. So uh, specifically mentions that it hits a decent price point around $50, not out of print yet. So, you know, scalpers haven't completely taken over yet. And there is an Automa involved. So he, he makes a pretty good pitch on this game. And I know you played it before, right, Chris? Yeah, no, it's fantastic. And again, I guess can't say enough good things about it. So yeah, definitely an underrated gem. I absolutely agree with that. All right. Uh, Michael mentions a game that's not actually in print anymore. Just wishes it was. Ooh. Letters to Santa, which is the Christmas version of Love Letter. Uh, I didn't know this was a thing. But yeah, why is that not in print? That's such an easy one. AEG, what are you doing? Yeah, especially since there's so few Christmas-themed games, especially so few that are good games. I mean, Love Letter is a really solid game and relatively inexpensive, and pretty much anyone could play that. So, yeah, that's kind of really weird. I'm not sure what was up about that. Yeah. Uh, David uh, lists out Archaeology, the New Expedition. It's a wonderful little card game by Phil Walker-Harding. Inexpensive and great for non-gamers. Uh, I've played this a couple times. It's exactly what he says. Inexpensive and great for non-gamers. So Sweet. I definitely could recommend that. And then mm-hmm. AC Holt mentions World's Fair, um, which is a, a few years old at this point, but I think it's a great you know, family you know, entry-level type of a game that's not super light but accessible for pretty much anybody of any age, right? Is that just straight up World's Fair or is that World's Fair with a particular date that goes along with it? Uh, I'm assuming it's 1893. I don't know if there is just a a straight up World's Fair by itself. Yeah, World's Fair 1893 was reprinted and by Renegade Games, it got a fancy cover and some kind of fancy pieces with a couple of additional cards added to it to add to some diversity. But the original one, obviously, is out of print. I actually have the original one itself. It's not a bad game. It's really it's really kind of whimsical. I think it's probably the best way to say it. So, um, yeah, I could definitely see that. Played that a lot. I think we played this so many years ago. Barnes & Noble, I think, when they were having their board game renaissance, that was one of the games that they were really, like, hyped on. So mm. I remember playing it back in the day. But I, I, I think it's, it's kind of made its circle. So... Yeah, if you're looking for the new version, which I think it's relatively the same, you could pick that up. Awesome. Mm -hmm. All right, so there you go. Four recommendations from the listeners. We're going to come back with you next week for another 20 or so recommendations from our own list. And uh, (laughs) we won't spoil any of that this week. Oh, come on. Stay tuned. All right, so that's everything that's going on our listeners. Again, thank you so much for letting us know what's hitting your table. Again, Facebook and Twitter is the best place to find us. 
as far as question of the week. But again, all the social medias all the time, all the Facebooks, all the Instagram, everything, everything, everything. And I guarantee you, and I offer, I throw out a challenge. I throw the gauntlet down at you, my friends. I say to you, try to find a podcast player that Anthony hasn't gotten us on because it's kind of disturbing, to be honest. <laughs> Just like literally everything that we're, we're on these days as far as podcasting is concerned, right? Yeah. Yeah. If I know it exists, I'm going to do it. <laughs> so if, if we're not on there, I don't know it exists. There so you go. Just got to let us know and I'll take care of it. Yeah. I think you can now ask Alexa for Board Gamers Anonymous podcast. Yep. <laughs> that's 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 surreal. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that's a thing. All right. So that's what's going on with our listeners. Anthony, let's get on to the things that we want to talk about. Let's talk about the games that we want to hit the table. Let's talk about our acquisition disorders. All right. So the big one. Every <gasps> year, every, I don't know, eight to 15 months or so, we get a new <laughs> one of these. And uh, it is time. A new Vitalicerda game is up on Kickstarter. Ba, ba, ba. Da, da, da. <laughs> so Weather Machine, this is the newest one. It went up uh, about a week ago when you're listening to this. Vital Lacerda, Ian O'Toole, Eagle Griffin Games, you know the combo. You're going to get a big old box. It's going to cost a ton of money and everything inside of it is going to be really high quality. <laughs> and most importantly, it's a Vital Lacerda game. So the gameplay itself is going to be spectacular. Mm-hmm. I don't really need to know any details of the game to know that the gameplay is going to be spectacular because all of his games are spectacular. It's just the way it is. Even his least effective games are still good. So Weather Machine uh, is is one that I've been particularly excited about Uh, on Mars being the last one that like fully released and, you know, his heaviest game by a decent margin. That, That was a lot of game in that box. The expansion now coming next year for that as well. Weather Machine, though, is kind of a, you know, almost fantasy, steampunky type of theming. And, you know, normally that type of theme slapped onto a Euro game, you'd be like, okay, cool. I mean, it gives Ian O'Toole a chance to show off, you know, outside of just typical pastels. Like, he's going full tilt on this one. The cover is one of my favorite board game covers of the last five years. It's fantastic. But it's Vitalicerda, and... If there's anybody who's able to effectively integrate theme into heavy, heavy Euro mechanics, it's Fatalicerda. And so I'm really excited to see how this one kind of does that with a theme that's a little more fantastical. So in the game, you are building a weather machine. You have resources from the government. You're trying to build, you know, bots and, and gather chemicals and get all the things you need to do to effectively build out this machine. Uh, and as a result, you know, typical Lacerda fashion, there are like 14 things you have to do and you have to do them in all really all at the same time somehow. But also you can't do that and figure out the most efficient way to get everything to kind of blend together to effectively build your weather machine in the box. You're going to get one big, giant, massive board because Lacerda game, of course, uh, you're going to get four dual layer player boards, which are really cool looking little laboratories. Um, the bots are little robot meeples, which are fantastic. I love that. Uh, you, you know, you have your scientist meeple. There's other little specialty meeples. Um, the chemicals, I, I don't know if they represent anything, but they're just all the different symbols for the things that will kill you on these little cylinders. Um, wooden research tokens, citation tokens. It's it just, you know, you know the drill. Like, it's going to be a big, giant box full of bits. And the there's a solitaire version of this. This time around, and I don't remember if this was the case in the last couple of games, but this time around, David Turchi is doing the solitaire version. Um, I think he might have done the Kanban solitaire. I don't remember. I know Vital's done or worked with other people on other ones as well. Um, but overall, I mean, it's Vital Serta. It's a unique, fun theme. It's Ian O'Toole, the top of his game, and uh, it has a lot of interesting takes some mechanics that you know we've seen a little bit in his other games but uh it, it's just you know it's an instant back for me i honestly and at this price it probably is either an instant back for you or it's not so i don't even know who i'm necessarily <laughs> talking into this um but i'm very very excited i can't wait for next year these things actually tend to come on time although with the shipping crisis who knows so 
hopefully we're playing this by the end of 2022. That's Weather Machine. Weather Machine. I, I remember we talked about this quite a bit, and I think he had a version of this on what digital platform, Anthony, was this on? Tabletopia. Tabletopia, where you could actually get a chance to kind of run through it a bit. Yep. So, and again, his games tend to be a little bit heavier than I, I, I think the average Euro. I think that's pretty much, I think pretty much now his kind of set pattern, right? Like if you like Euros, great. If you like Euros, but you want to kind of go to the next level, then your Vitalis Serta, you know, tool is probably the five-star restaurant that you want to kind of, you know, sit at the table. Yep. So... Yeah, I, I remember seeing this in the artwork, as you mentioned, we talked about it previously, you know, tool is kind of finally being let outside the box. You know, we saw that with the Martian invasion. And now here mm. we see this with weather machine. So he's really kind of stretching his legs here with the artwork, which is fantastic. And then the same thing's true here with uh, Vitello Serta. I mean, if you just and, and, I, and I guess, you know, you're saying like, this is either for you or not for you. And I, and I guess that's very much big part of it like this is a traditional eagle griffin game right or i guess in, in this case you know they, they call themselves eagle games on kickstarter it's relatively expensive <laughs> plus with the little add on there but you are getting a relatively crunchy very good looking excellent pieces and components game that's really going to engage you in a different way it's not the same kind of hey cool let's farm again you know variation this is definitely a different looking theming gaming playing situation and again with these the solitaire game with uh turchi here that's also really great i mean i honestly for me personally i know you're more of the solo gamer but i love this the solitaire games in order just to teach me the basics of the game because sometimes when you have to play multi-handed to learn a game, it's kind of cumbersome. But this is really nice. I like that a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the funny thing, too, is like, you know, we talk about the price because you have to. It's $130 plus shipping. Yeah. But the the trajectory that Kickstarter has gone in general, like I feel like in the last few weeks, we've talked about several $100 games where we can't yeah. figure out why it's $100. It's just it's $100 because they can charge $100. Yeah. So these have generally stayed about the same. Like the last few Kickstarters for Lacerda games have been in that 130 range, I think. Yeah. On Mars is there, Kanban was there, Escape Plan might have even been there. And as a result, they're starting to look less and less crazy. <laughs> like, because it's like, <laughs> oh, it's like $20 more than this other crazy, you know, Darwin's Journey or whatever, you know, these other big games. You're like, that's just a midway euro that should have cost 50 bucks. Why is it $100? And now you're like, well, because this is Lacerda, so you can charge that. It's just a big, huge thing. And that they all cost that much. It's fine. Um, this is what my brain is doing. I'm not arguing that. This is just what my brain is going through. <laughs> like, I can justify this easily now. It's no problem. I think everyone appreciates your, appreciates your headcanon, Anthony. So yeah, <laughs> uh, take your headcanon over to Kickstarter. Because again, all looks, all signs, all sounds of this seem to be a, another great Vital Lacerda game. All right, so I want to talk about a game that is a little different, a little new, and might challenge a bunch of people. Uh, this is Hegemony. Lead your class to victory, a unique, asymmetric, car-driven, one-to-four-player board game experience about politics and the economy, a whole nation in one box. So this is currently on Kickstarter. And as the opening statement says, this is a game about the different social classes in an economic Euro game that plays, again, a very asymmetric, think root, uh, think all of those kind of games where you have a radically different, not I wouldn't say super radically, but you have a radically different way of playing the game for your own particular victory. But yet at the same time, all the other players or at least the, the classes that they're playing do come into play. So there is the working class, of course, the capitalist class, the middle class, and the state. Now, this is a one to four player game, which is great because, again, we already just talked about, you know, that one player kind of scenario here. But this is really a game that you want to play with the four players, right? Because, again, it's representing the economy and all the challenges that it it's, it's having 
and your job is to save your particular class of people. So the thematic backing here is, you know, quite speculative. It's just completely bonkers. It states the nation is in disarray, the economy is failing, and a heavy political resignation engulfs the country. Low investment rates are paralyzing the economy while a major part of the population is facing unemployment. The standard of living is decreasing while political tensions are rising in these troubled times. The only one who can provide guidance is you which is kind of disturbing because it sounds like a lot's going on. <laughs> it should not be me alone who does that. But again, four different socioeconomic classes that kind come into play here. Each of them do play differently. Each of them do interact with the other player. So the play styles and knowing the play styles are important. So as, as part of the working class, your job is to take care of your people, do everything to keep your people fed, healthy, educated, with the occasional luxury good. The capitalist class is all about company creation, capital accumulation, and market domination. So again, they're doing something very different. They're producing the goods, and they're also providing the services through their organizations that obviously are benefiting from the, you know, being benefited by the working people, and the working people do use themselves. The middle class is kind of a split situation. There's white collar workers that uh, need support as well as medium sized entrepreneurs. So they are dealing with the small business owners and the individual professional people um, that are dealing with the other the other three different classes. And finally, there is the state. So now we're talking about the government here, and really what they're trying to do is provide for all of the peoples, provide for the economy, and yet at the same time. Um, manage their particular society and meet their own victory conditions. So with this game itself, you can play any of the four different classes or factions, but they do have different play styles. They do have different goals, but basically the game really comes down to your own set of cards in your hand. So what you'll do is you'll prepare your own particular cards and your actions that will come into play. And then during the action phase, You'll have an opportunity to play action cards from your hand, which will allow you to take special actions on the board, get resources, provide other resources for the other different classes. Again, depending on which particular class that you're playing, producing goods, taking goods, building companies, getting paid, receiving taxes. Again, all based on that particular class. Uh, then there finally comes an election phase. The election phase decides the uh, policies of the government and things shift based upon that as well. So we've seen that in a number of games. And then of course, scoring. So obviously the most victory points wins, but there is victory point conditions based upon certain class specifications. So it takes a lot to learn this game because there are several different class factions here. So just like Root and so many of these other games, you really have to know all the different classes. The game looks gorgeous. It looks like a really great, smart Euro game. It also comes with an educational book talking about how all these social classes come into play, the dynamics and everything. So really, a really decent educational tool as well. Uh, you have all your player aids. You have all your custom cards, all your custom pieces, custom tokens, money and such. So this game does go all out to make sure that you are really experiencing the particular areas that come into place here. There is a mini expansion for the game. There's a bunch of unlocks. The game itself, with the early bird at least, um, which I have already backed, is $68, which again, like Anthony was just mentioning, not a bad price for a medium weight game. The challenge of this game is, of course, multi-classes. That's a lot to learn. This game is long. It's definitely a long Euro. You're going to put a couple of hours into the game to kind of um, manage all the players at the table. And I definitely absolutely positively believe that you should be able to do so only really with the four players. I don't like the idea of the one, two, three players here. If you're going to play this game, if you're going to represent thematically of the classes in conflict and how they work together, you're going to need four players here. So Agenemy, lead your class to victory, is out on Kickstarter. It will wrap up on Thursday, December 2nd. 2021. I definitely recommend checking it out. 
I think it's a unique take on board gaming that we haven't seen yet or really haven't seen to much detail. And it seems like a lot of effort was put into the game. Again, your mileage may vary as far as like you have to teach this game a couple of times, a couple of people, but check it out. Yeah, I saw you back this and then I like I feel like maybe we discussed it at some point earlier because it was, you know, an interesting topic. And I'm like, oh, that sounds familiar. And then like digging into it, I'm like, wow, this is I want so many more games like this to be made, right? Sure. <laughs> like to explore these topics in interesting and profound ways, but also build a good system mathematically upon which to you know, actually explore it. Yeah, I think we've seen, I don't know, what was the, there was a similar game. It wasn't based on socioeconomic conditions and classes. It was the election game that came out recently where it was like United States election. It was red, blue, and then they threw in green and yellow recently. Right. And it was yeah. another big sprawling game that I like had my finger, you know, on the mouse waiting to click on it. And it just seemed a little too big and cumbersome. And it was based on a game that took a lot of time. So Hegemony here, I'm a little concerned that this might take a little too much time. It might be a little too hard to teach. Um, they're saying typically about 45 minutes per player. So again, if you do have a four player game and everyone's really ready to go, you know, you're talking close to four hours. Uh, I don't mind that because I think I like my games long and crunchy. So whether it's TI4 or this kind of political game, I, I kind of got a feel for it. This is a first time designer. So again, take that with a grain of salt. Some of that's not great because you never really can be too sure how the game plays out. But also at the same time, it's Kickstarter. So it's nice to see a game that in fact needs the backing. And it's already backed. So they have a, a good amount of money, 16 days to go as of this recording. And again, $68, $78, depending on where, where you pick it up and when you pick it up, not a bad price. All right, so that's everything from our acquisition disorders. Now on to the games that hit the table. And we'll let you know if those games are a buy and you should run out and pick those games up. We'll let you know if those games are a play and you should sit down and play those games. Or if, in fact, those games are a dodge, you should avoid the metal costs or the game is a dreaded burn because you know what? Everything's burning. So why not <laughs> just burn it down? <laughs> Dang, man. <laughs> well, you know, I, I just talked about a, a game about all the different social economic classes, man, just burn the system. I don't know, bro. <laughs> hey, let's do it. Why not? All right, Anthony, what do you have up for this week? Other than political revolution? Oh man. Yeah, no, I was looking forward to that. Um, so, this week, I want to talk about a Kickstarter that I got in recently uh, that kind of expands on an existing game that we've talked about a few times. So this is Cartographer's Heroes. This is from Thunderworks Games, designed by Jordi Aiden and John Brieger. And we've previously talked about Cartographers on several episodes. Um, episode 289, we talked about the app. And I think we reviewed it, if not here, on Every Night is Game Night, because it's a mostly solo game. Um, but it came out, I don't know, two, three years ago at this point. Um, it is a flip and write. So it kind of, it, and the problem too is like this one kind of snuck in with that glut of flip and write and roll and write games. And like I, there was that one year where after Gunshot Clever came out, where Every game had a roll and write. Every game had a flip and write. And I bought most of them. And most of them were terrible. So I stopped buying them. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're just not good. But Cartographers is one of the good ones. It is top five, top three possibly, up there with Welcome To and Gonshon Clever as a really good take on this mechanic, right? So basic idea behind it. You have a deck of cards. You're going to go through four different seasons in the game. Uh, so each of those seasons is broken down into various turns, and each of those turns has three phases. In the explore phase, you're going to flip over a card. Again, flip and write. And then everybody's going to draw on their own little personal cartography uh, sheet, your map. And there will be a, some kind of shape on that card, and then it will tell you what type of terrain it represents, right? There's also a bunch of scoring cards that tell you what type of terrain is going to be worth what and what format and what what you're basically what you're trying to accomplish on your personal sheet. And that's where a lot of games would leave off, right? Flip the card, draw the thing, match the scoring. And that that's pretty much it, right? Cartographers was different because 
not only are all these different shapes, like, you know, polyomino shapes that you're drawing, right? But there's player interaction, which is one thing that almost none of these games have because they really are just solo games that dozens of people could play at the same time. So after the draw phase, there at some point will be a monster that comes out, could be a monster that comes out. It's in the deck. So these monster cards would come out and you would have to pass your sheet to somebody else and they would draw the monster on your sheet almost certainly in the place it's most going to mess up your plan. So it, it adds that element of kind of messing with each other and destroying things. What Heroes does is it takes that core mechanic. So you still have the explore phase. You still draw things. You still, you know, place things on your map. There's coins that you can pick up, same as the base game, um, that allow you to do best, you know, extra things throughout the game. But now you have more complex ambush cards, which are kind of like your monster cards. And these are things like the zombie plague, where, you know, after scoring each season, draw a zombie in each empty space adjacent to a zombie. So the zombies spread on your map. So if zombies hit your board, they spread out. No bueno. <laughs> uh, the Dragon Inferno, when all spaces of the dragon are surrounded or destroyed, gain three coins. So you can actually destroy the dragon and get some points back out of it. And the way you're going to do this is by utilizing the hero cards that come out. So hero cards, you're going to draw this on the map, the same as anything else, but the heroes are like a little sword, and they're going to have a certain attack pattern. So based on the hero that you take, uh, it'll show which spaces relative to where you draw your hero are hit. And if those are monsters that have, you know, taken over parts of your map because other people drew them there, or they spread because of zombie plague or whatever, you can destroy them. And that's good because those monsters are negative points at the end of the game. So you're, you're getting rid of them, but also you might fulfill other objectives like the Dragon Inferno, or you might fulfill other objectives based on scoring at the end of the game. And this adds a whole new layer of um, strategy to the game. You know, already it went like a step beyond most basic roll and rights. Now it's going one more step beyond that. Plus, we have a, diff a bunch of different maps. There's many expansions that come in the box. Cartographer's Heroes, it's not it's not really an expansion necessarily. It adds new stuff, but it's it's standalone, right? You could get this instead of the base one. You could get them both and combine them. It doesn't really matter. It's more of like what you, you know, would rather play, you know, how complex you want it to be. But what I really appreciate here is they didn't take it too far. So like Welcome to had two different paths here that they took similarly, like they added new maps that each added like one little tweak to the rules, which I like most of those. And then they made new versions of the game with Las Vegas and now Welcome to the Moon. And in the case of Vegas, because I haven't played Welcome to the Moon yet, but in the case of Vegas, they just significantly overcomplicated it. And it's like one of those weird things with roll and rights. And again, not everybody agrees with me on this, but this is my opinion. If they get too complex, it defeats the purpose of the game. Right. So with the only exception I could think of being fleet, the dice, the dice game, that one actually works. It takes a little bit longer, but Roman roll was too much. Uh, Welcome to Vegas is too much. There's a few others that have come out in the last couple of years that are just too much. They take too long. You're drawing stuff everywhere. Things get smudged. It and you're just at a certain point. You're like, I don't know. Can we just play a board game version of this? You know, era is another one, which is not really a roll and write, but it's similar in that you're rolling dice and then placing little buildings all over everything. And it just, it's a lot. It's a big production that takes a lot to set it up and run it. And it's just that basic mechanic of a thing happens. Everybody does a thing based on that thing that happened. So Cartographer's Heroes iterates on that formula. It has a standalone version that's, you know, the same small box, which is relatively inexpensive if you just want the $20, you know, new version of the game. And there's a whole bunch of extra stuff that came with it for myself because I backed the collector's edition on Kickstarter. So I'm happy to have all that. Um, this was already a very good game. It I don't know that it makes the game necessarily better. It just makes it different and offers a different way to play it. But very happy to have it. If you like flipping rights at all, I think you will like cartographers. If you dislike rolling rights and flipping rights, but it's only because of the lack of interaction, you might also still like cartographers. So um, definitely recommend checking it out. For me, it's definitely a buy. Happy to have backed it. And uh, I look forward to playing it more.
Yeah, this is one roll and write that I've highly anticipated. I know when I did my charity event, and that, geez, it's a COVID situation. How long? How many years ago was that? Ugh. I think that was 2019. <laughs> I think that was a, that was our last Extra Life event. This was out at the table. One of the board game stores had brought it to kind of teach and play with people, and I was like, hey. I'm not a Roland Wright fan, just generally. I mean, every once in a while, but this looks pretty awesome. And that still have not gotten into the table. But again, it's really great to hear because that's a game that you cannot forget about if it's that good, Anthony. I'm really, I'm really glad that you reminded me because I need to get a, I need to get a Roland Wright to the table that I consistently like. Yeah. Like I, I, I think some of them are fine, but. None, none so much that I've been like, oh, that rolling right. Let's sit down. Like that's never come out of my mouth. That's never been a thing that I've <laughs> said ever. Like, so I was like, oh, cool, <sighs> rolling right. I yeah, I, I guess we got fifteen minutes. I don't know. Is everybody here? Are we're not playing a game? Oh, all right. So, yeah, this is great. Looking forward to hopefully playing this and, and getting this to the table. Excellent. All right, so last episode, I entertained you all with my talking for like about an hour straight. So first off, thanks for listening. I'm, I'm glad that went well. And uh, big shout out to uh, David and the other people who let me know that the mic actually worked, which hopefully it's continuing to work, maybe even better this week. I can actually see a wavelength this time. So awesome. One of the games that came up and one of the questions was a social deduction game more or less, that was kind of Euro-ish. Now, surprisingly enough, this has been a game that I've played for quite some time, always have loved this game, despite the fact it has been mocked, and mocked incorrectly, my friends. He knows who he is, that person who shall not be named, but he did not like this game. He should like this game. It's a good game. So this game is Bruno Fatuti's Citadels. Uh, Citadels is a very fascinating game because it was one of those early games in my collection that I bought almost on a whim, not knowing too much about the social deduction element to it, and just love the idea of city building. So in Citadels, you are one of the kingdom's master builders, and you're trying to impress the kingdom by building the most elaborate I guess, victory points scoring kingdom possible. Now, what's interesting about the game, beyond the fact that you are putting down these wonderful buildings and purchasing them to be built through gold, but you're picking, and in this new version, this 2016 version, this updated version, one of 27 character cards. Now, when you start the game, of course, you don't have all 27 character cards in front of you. Depending on the number of players, you typically you know, are going to have, you know, about seven or eight cards that are in play. You can play, I think, up to nine, but that's pretty much it as far as it's concerned. But it does shrink down to lower player counts and it's still a lot of fun. But again, you are going to get one of these roll cards, you know, drafted, right? So you're going to get a hand of cards. You're going to pick the roll that you want to take. You are going to take that roll card and you're going to wait until everyone takes their roll card. And then based upon that roll card's number, it's going to come into play. Now, that's the fun part because this is a social deduction game that is not targeting the individual players, even though you kind of are targeting the individual players. Uh, this is all about targeting the other character cards in the game. So, for example, when you play Citadels of Edition, whether it's a 2016 or the prior version, with the Z-Man games way back in 2000. Wow, imagine saying way back in 2000. Um, again, city building, four to eight players. You're drafting your particular character card. You start with four building cards. They are variations of different districts, noble, religious, trade, military. And then there are unique buildings that come into play. And you're trying to get enough gold together in order to build those into your particular kingdom. Some of those cards will give you special abilities, especially the purple ones. The other cards will trigger based upon the particular character card that you get. So there is a lot of kind of like, I'm building this, so it would make sense for me to take this color card, right? So if you're building blue religious buildings, I don't know, maybe there's a certain character that lines up with that. That being said, 
everyone else knows that too. So as you're picking your cards, you have to kind of think and double think as far as the game goes because there is an opportunity to knock you out based upon certain characters in play. So for example, one of the characters is the assassin. The assassin is the first character that comes into play. They get to announce which character they're assassinating. And again, you could be in a situation where you could be targeted by your character. Your character gets knocked out. You're not able to take your turn that round. So it can, of course, be somewhat challenging as the game goes on. And I remember when I said the blue building, so the religious buildings, you might kind of be targeted because the bishop, you know, but uh, at the same time, that's how you score your victory points. So in this 2016 version, they have added new characters, new character cards, uh, a, a wide abundance of them. Again, 27 different character cards. They've added more uh, districts into play, but basically it's primarily the same game. There's some new artwork, larger cards, some you know revision to the text and the rules that are coming into play. And there are also these different character tokens that come into play that allow it to be a lot easier for people to remember what's in play and what gets knocked out of play. So there's all 27. I'm not going to name all 27, but there are some characters, at least from the classic version of this game, that you might want to you know, know. So we already talked about the assassin. There's also the thief that, again, steals from one of the particular characters. So again, if you know the bishop is probably going to be played because of all those religious buildings in play, maybe you want to rob the bishop then. And again, if someone picks that card, you'll be able to take that money from them. So Again, it's a lot of fun with the different character cards in play. Uh, there's a magician that can trade cards with another player. There's a king who receives additional gold. We already talked about the bishop that comes into play. The merchant receives gold, plus they benefit from their trade districts. The architect allows them to kind of move cards around and build additional cards. A warlord destroys buildings, of course. Bishop's buildings are <laughs> bishops protected in that kind of respect. And again, there's a lot of other characters that come into play. If you enjoy building cities and yet having the opportunity to pick particular action cards that come into play, this is really fun because you get all of that, but yet the knife's edge, the intrigue, the, the danger of getting knocked out, circumvented, uh, not getting the the particular card, getting things swapped out of your hands. Buildings have special abilities. Citadels is just honestly so much fun. You get to have fun with social deduction without getting knocked out of the game. You get to build a really fabulous little city. You get to score victory points. The pieces are great. There's a great little crown that comes along with the game. So Citadels is still on the top of my list, whether you pick up the original version or the Asmodee 2016 version. Even at the most expensive, this game is about 25 bucks. It is well worth your time and money. Um, only downside is that it's a very small game, which is usually very good, but they put it in a very large box. So pick up the old version, pick up the new version, all good versions, especially the newer version is a lot cleaner and, sh and sharper. Uh, Citadels, it's definitely a buy. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's funny too, because some of these older games that I, you know, I was all about when we first got into uh, board gaming, or at least when I did back in like 2013, have kind of faded for me over time where I'm like, eh, it's, it's fine. But this is not one of them. Like you put this in front of me. I'm like, no, this is still fun. And it, yeah. it's funny because it makes me mad sometimes. And I don't like to be upset when I'm playing games. But in this particular case, I don't mind because it, it is fun. Yeah, and you do really get those situations where you can build your own thing, which is fun. But you can also mess with other players, which is also fun. And yeah. <laughs> some of my funnest times at the game table have just been about analyzing people's districts, getting those roll cards in your hand, and like knowing you're taking one and knowing exactly what you're giving to the next player. And, you know, 50 50 shot, if, if you get a, se a sense of what you can do there, it's just so satisfying. You, you get to do that all game long. It really, it has a lot of levels to it. And again, it's a game that it could easily be passed up upon. Please don't. Great game. A lot of fun. All right, Anthony. So that's everything that's going on with us at the table. Let's get on to our feature review. So our feature review this week is Board Game Geek's Hotness for November 2021. Anthony, our friend, will take a look at the super hotness list do his magical calculations and let you know what is hot 
and what will be hitting the table. So, Anthony, tell us about your hot, hot list. All right. So, Board Game Geek, they got a list. It's based on the activity on the website. We go through this every month. It's awesome. And I'm actually super excited about this one because now that we're looking at the hotness and we're close to a convention that I might physically attend, I'm like, I might be able to see these games and play them. So uh, I'm excited this time. I'm excited. So what we're going to do is we're going to go backwards through the top 50. It's a little bit different than normal. And I'm just going to touch on the ones that are interesting, that are new to the list that we haven't talked about recently. There are a lot of games on here that we talk about all the time. Your Castles of Burgundies, your Twilight Imperiums, your Great Western Trails, your The Crew on Mars, Beyond the Sun. We're not going to touch on those because otherwise I just make a joke about how it's always there and it's funny and people are like, okay, yeah, we get it. Um, So uh, let's dive into the stuff that's actually interesting and unique on the list this time. Uh, First up, number 49, Hero Quest, which if you missed it, had a big sprawling... Uh, crowdfunding campaign on uh, a custom platform. <laughs> I think uh, the, the bringing the game back, and I think it's finally starting to get to people. So I think I saw a couple of posts pop up on Facebook, of people starting to get their Hero Quest stuff in, um, or maybe just starting to get notifications about it coming in, and people are just generally excited to get this game back. So it's kind of floating around up here on the list as people wait for it to arrive. And I'm interested to see. I did not back this myself. I don't have the nostalgia for Hero Quest, but I know a lot of people do. So I'm excited for them. I'm excited for you all. Uh, Blue Lagoon uh, from Reiner Knizia is sitting at 43. This one hopped onto the list. It's not a new game. This is three years old, but uh, it, it's kind of popped up recently and a few new reviews have come up and people are just discussing it in general. And I would argue it's actually a very good uh, underrated game that just didn't get a lot of play when it came out Uh, for a few reasons. I think probably, you know, it was a blue orange game. So people looked at it and they're like, it's a family game, but really it's like comparable weight to a lot of Knizia games. And I've had a lot of fun with this, both with my family and with gamers. So I, you know, wanted to mention it because Blue Lagoon is a fantastic game and it's still in print and relatively inexpensive. Uh, next one on the list, 42, is Iki. This is another one I've mentioned a whole bunch of times, but it's actually available now. So on Amazon, you can go purchase it. I'm pretty sure that's also about a miniature market as of a couple days ago. Um, it's not the really cool like woodblock print cover that was released only in Japan that I was very lucky to get at Gen Con several years ago. But the gameplay is also fantastic in this. So if you've heard me go on and on about this game for the last seven years, uh, check it out because <laughs> you can actually buy it now. But I don't know for how long because it kind of came with no fanfare and I don't believe it's by one of the major publishers. So, you know, check it out while you can. Uh, next, we've got at number 38, Seven Wonders Architects, which we talked about a little bit. Um, Chris, you mentioned this one not too long ago, right? The updated version of seven wonders yeah this is yeah this is the family version that's supposedly very easy to to kind of teach and you're building your own little seven wonders version in the most simple way possible so yeah this is is surprisingly enough is still very intriguing to me but i've not gotten a chance to get disabled yet all right um next up we got arc nova at number 30 mentioned this a little bit after the essen show it is a Another zoo game, there's a bunch of these, but this one's actually very, at least not very, but heavier than the others, right? Uh, it's coming from Capstone, and uh, I can never say their name, Fjordlandspiel. Um, it is all about, you know, raising animals and stuff. So <laughs> it's coming from a first-time designer, but initial reviews on uh, Board Game Geek are very high. People seem to really enjoy this game. And it does integrate some concepts of like conservation projects as well. You're not just running a zoo. So I'm interested to see how it balances those things and how it plays out. And uh, that is coming from Capstone soon-ish, I believe. Uh, Clash of Cultures is sitting at number 29. This is the Monumental Edition, which is everything's a little bit bigger. The miniatures are a little bit nicer. It comes with the expansion content, which you could not get ever anywhere before. Uh, And 
people are generally seem to be very happy with it. Um, it's expensive because all things are expensive now. That's the world we live in. Everything's expensive. It's another hundred plus dollar game, but uh, it came out I think about a month ago. So this one's been probably on the hotness for a little bit of time now. Next up, we have a game that's currently on GameFound, which is the increasingly popular Kickstarter alternative for board games, the Elder Scrolls V Skyrim, the adventure game. So by the name alone, you can imagine what this is. Big sprawling map, bunch of miniatures running around completing quests. And I don't really have to dig into (laughs) the synopsis to know anything more than that. I'm sure it's cooperative. There's a solo mode. If you love Skyrim and you love these big miniature dudes on a map games, I guess not dudes on a map, adventuring dudes on a map, um, this is probably right up your alley. And there's a lot of content for it. So I think the all in on this is almost $300. So a bunch of stuff. Uh, Next, we got at number 26, Golem, which we've talked about a few times uh, coming from Cranio Creations. It launched at Essen. So if you were in Europe, you potentially got a chance to get your hands on this game. We are not in Europe, so our hands are not on this game, but we really want them to be. So I'm really hoping they have a copy or copies or any combination of components uh, for this thing at PAX. If nothing else, so we can play it, because I'm very, very excited about this. Uh, it's from the design team behind you know, games like Lorenzo and Grand Austria Hotel, uh, Simone Luciani, Flaminia Brissini, and Virginio Gili. And uh, it just, it looks kind of bananas, but also amazing at the same time. So I really want to play this. Uh, Next at number 23, we've got Detective City of Angels. This one's on the hotness because Shut Up and Sit Down just did a review of it. We always have at least one of these because whatever they've most recently done a review of shows up on the hotness. And it's actually a very, very good game. I don't think I ever reviewed it on this podcast because of the nature of the game. And I didn't get to go through enough of the cases, but in terms of like how it builds a detective style game, um, it's very cleverly done. It's a bit bigger, a bit more sprawling, a bit more expensive than some other detective style games like Portal Games Detective or Sherlock Holmes. But uh, I really enjoyed the little bit of time that I had with it. Uh, next up, we have at number 17, Role Player Adventures. So this is kind of the sequel to Roleplayer coming from Thunderworks Games. And it's basically you're kind of taking the next step. So this is a cooperative storybook game, and it's in that world of Roleplayer, which they've been building out with all these kind of side games. You know, we just talked about Cartographers, same company. Um, you don't really need the base gamer expansion or anything from Roleplayer to play this. You're just going to play a pre-generated character. But you can't import a character that you've built in the past. So that's really cool. I think, Chris, you and I talked about this a while, right? Like, I want to take that character I built and go do something with them. Well, here's the game where you get to go do something with them. I love those games. <laughs> so I, I believe this might have already been on Kickstarter. And this is, you know, kind of bumped up here as people are getting a chance to get their hands on it. So I I would love to get a chance to try this out. I'm pretty sure it was crazy expensive, so I didn't back it. But uh, excited to try it. Uh, we got number 12, Unfathomable, which, uh, Chris, you talked about a couple weeks ago. This is the retheming of Battlestar Galactica with Cthulhu monsters in the water that I'm sure is amazing because the Battlestar core mechanics are so good. And I'm not going to purchase because I don't know when I would get this to the table. Um, I can justify the solo ones to your point. I can justify the solo ones because I'll play it by myself. But this one, I'm like, I don't know, but if it pops up at the table, I will absolutely play it because I love that original. Uh, righty, number 10, we've got Unsettled. This is a game from Orange Nebula, a Kickstarter game that is a two to four player cooperative survival adventure set in the fringes of space. So we've got kind of a mishmash of different like popular Kickstarter things. Cooperative game, variable setup, sci-fi, kind of stark, uh, pastel-y colors. So it looks interesting. I don't know a ton about it because co-op narrative games are not my jam. <laughs> but uh, the, you know, kind of early uh, sentiment about the game is very positive. So it makes sense that it's up here at the top 10. Uh, next up, we got from number eight, Boon Lake. This is the new Alexander Fister game, and it's coming from DLP Games and Capstone Games. Uh, it is 
kind of a remix of sorts of Maracaibo mechanics, you know, in that way that Alexander Fister will take like one or two pieces from a game and kind of remix it and rebuild it um, and present it in a new way. And Maracaibo, it's kind of also a remix of Great Western Trail. Like all those things kind of blend together at the end of the day. But this one is a little more outside of just traditional themes. Like you are pioneers exploring, but you're like leaving civilization behind and going off into this un, you know, forgotten region and building something out from scratch. So um interested to see if it works. I don't know. He's been experimenting a lot lately with different ideas. So I'll be interested to see how they play out. All right. Number seven is Wonder Book. This is a game about an ancient dragon civilization. Uh, and the game itself is I'm trying to remember how the best way to describe this. They call it a pop-up game for one to four players in which the players take on the role of a teenage kid and a group of adventurous friends. It's cooperative. And so you'll, you know, obviously win or play together. Um, Multiple scenarios over multiple chapters. And I guess the gimmick of the game is that whole idea of the 3D pop-up. And it is literally a 3D pop-up book. So think about the games that you play in books, the storytelling books, like the, um, you know, completely blanking right now on the name of the games. But, um, you know, where you're playing on the actual storybook. And this is kind of like that, except it's three-dimensional. So it looks really cool. <laughs> I don't know how it actually plays, but we'll see. Um, definitely up here high in the list, though, for obvious reasons. It's very pretty. And we'll see when it comes out. All right, we mentioned Weather Machine at number four. That game is... It's Vitalis Arda, it's Unitool, it's Eagle Griffin. It's going to be great. <laughs> Trust me, it's going to be great. Put your money in, it's going to be great. Uh, Number two, we've got Brian Boru, which is a new game from Osprey Games. And the reason that this is interesting to me is that the designer is Paris Sylvester, who uh, designed The King is Dead. So that's like a three-player card-driven area control game that is very quick, very clever. There's only 12 turns in the game, and you have like limited resources and cards when you're going to play them. Um, this seems to be like that, but leveled up a little bit with a little bit more going on, a trick-taking element mixed in. Um, very interested to see how this plays because Paris Sylvester has made some really interesting creative games, um, including The King is Dead, but also The Lost Expedition, Village Green, um, the the one I can never say, Virsin das Volk, <laughs> which is very popular and has yet to be translated. Uh, so looking forward to see how this one turns out. And then number one is the game you just talked about, Chris. So we don't have to go over that again because we've just talked about it for like 10 minutes. Nice. Edgemony, lead your class Woo. to victory. Yeah, no, I think, again, a great list. Good to come back and see what's burning up the charts because PAX Unplug will be here in a minute. And hopefully some of those Kickstarters get back to all the backers because shipping has been a thing and production has been a thing in China and... Other things have been a thing. So some great games. Check them out. Enjoy the time. Just loving all the artwork and the possibility of gameplay so you can get to the table and hopefully have a lot of fun. These these are always a great list to take a look back, see what's coming up. And again, hopefully we'll be able to join you at the table soon and enjoy the great games. All right, Anthony. So that's everything for this week. Until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you all a seat at the table. Take care. Bye.